This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Don on Careers, your personal career coach here on Sirius XM Business Radio Channel 132. Every week we're live on Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, taking your calls all hour at 844-942-7866. So if it's Thursday, the phone lines are open right now. Hey, I'm Dr. Don Graham, and in my day job, I lead career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. And we have Dion Simpkins and Michelle Stucker in for Dana Cash today, Dream Team in studio, all hour long, taking your calls right now at 844-942-7866. So what's going on in the world? Hey, there's a new study in Money Magazine saying that performance reviews are sexist. Women tend to rate themselves lower and tend to be much less self-promoting. So by about 25% than men. So this is a significant difference that men and women rate themselves on their self-review portion of the performance reviews. So this could lead to obviously fewer raises, fewer promotions for women. And so do we need to look at performance reviews? Interestingly, in a survey done for U.S. workers, only about 14% actually believe that performance reviews are helpful in any way, any shape or form. So why are we still using them? Why are we still using them? Let me know. 844-942-7866. Does your company have a good performance review process? Um, If they do, you may be one of the few. Give us a call here at All Hour Dr. Dawn on Careers. And as it is every Thursday, open calls all hour long. You can give us a call right now. 844-942-7866. We're going to start out on the phones today with Corey in Tennessee. Corey, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today. Hi. Uh... Thank you. My question is, as someone who has moved back and forth over uh, the years of my career between sales, marketing, and product or solution management, I'm getting counsel as I look to make a move in 2020 from headhunters that I should focus on one of the areas in specific. And I can understand that because I think it makes their world easier and that most of my recent experience has been marketing. They kind of gravitate that way. However, I think the unique blend of experience I bring to the market across all three of those disciplines is really where my win is and where the win would be for an employer. So can you give me your thoughts on that as far as how a potential candidate should approach it, number one, and then how to deal with that in dealing with headhunters and executive recruiters? Yes, I love this question. It's so meaty, Corey, and there's so many things that I want to say. So first off, I'm going to say yes and yes and explain what that means. So first off, you're right. Headhunters are usually targeting a very specific role. And so what they're looking for is somebody who has very in-depth experience in an area, be it sales, marketing, finance, whatever that is, so that they can easily sell you to the employer. Of course, if an employer is paying a headhunter a hefty fee, which the fee is usually hefty. They want somebody who is the expert of experts in whatever it is they're looking for. So I can definitely understand that. However, I also believe that for a job seeker, the more targeted you can get, the more employers are going to be interested in you, the more your network is going to help you because people are interested in candidates who are hungry, have a drive, show a passion for a certain skill or a certain industry or whatever it is your your field is. So I think it's super helpful if you want your network to help you, if you want headhunters, if you want somebody to hire you, that you show that very, very um, specific, what I call plan A, that it comes across as confident, it comes across as self-assured, you can paint a great story about why this makes sense. Now, to your second point, which I also said yes to, 
the fact that you do have this unique blend of two different in-depth functions can be a great thing. And what I say on Dr. Dawn on careers is match first, stand out second. And what I mean by that is you've got this great unique background. And if what you're looking for is a marketing job, lead with that. Lead why you're an expert on this. Lead what your accomplishments are in this. But when a hire gets down to the top two or three candidates, their question is now going to be, okay, great, you're an expert in marketing. That's what we want. But what makes you stand out from the other candidates? And this is where you bring the sales experience in because this gives you a unique edge over the other people. So when you bring this in at the right time, your unique selling points can help you land that offer. So so I think both are right. Yeah, in order to get somebody's attention, and let's face it, Corey, we all have short attention span today, you have to show right up front and very quickly that you're an expert in what they're looking for. But when you get down to that that last few uh, interviews, then... They're going to say, okay, what makes you unique? And this is when you bring out the zinger. Well, I also have this, and that's when you land the job. Does that make sense? It does. And so I'm kind of using blending that to be my unique opening is the fact that I deliver growth because I can do it really from a, all the marketing perspective. But then, oh, by the way, the sales perspective is there too. So. Yeah, and I think I think I think you can do that. I think you can um, use it in a blend as long as if you are targeting to somebody who's looking for pure marketing, they don't see that as diluting the core. So you know, so for example, I, I've used this example before. I know it ages me, but so be it because I think it's helpful. Um, when when they used to make those TV VCR DVD combos, people always felt like, well, it's probably not the best TV and it's probably not the best DVD because they're combined. Now that may or may not have been true but the fact is sometimes if if you you put forward two areas of expertise they might sometimes feel like well then maybe you're not great at either now that's not always the case but I like the way you present it that hey I've got what you want in the marketing oh and as a unique selling point I also have this sales piece too because that may be exactly what lands you the job Corey great question great question wish you all the best yeah, and I think a lot of people have this question, so you just helped a ton of people, Corey. So good deed for the day. Thank you so much for giving us a call, Dr. Dawn on Careers, 844-942-7866. We are your personal career coach. So if you have a question, maybe you've read some good advice online, but you're not really sure how it applies to your situation, that's what we're here for, 844-942-7866. Hey, and breaking news, you guys are the first People, I'm telling this. I haven't even put it out on social media yet. Guess what? My second LinkedIn learning course, Get Into the Mind of the Hiring Manager, is being released today. So you can go to LinkedIn Learning. There's a toolbar and it says, actually, you just go to straight up LinkedIn. That's the easiest way. And then there's a toolbar and it has a learning tab. Click that. Type my name, Don Graham, and you can see all of my courses. And that will be coming out later today. So if you're not sure where to find it, you can go to Twitter at Dr. Don Graham, and I will be posting about that. 844-942-7866. You know what we're talking about today? Speaking of getting into the mind of the hiring manager, we are going to talk about demystifying that recruiter speak that you hear. So have you ever wondered what will be in touch means? Or have you ever wondered what you're overqualified means. If you're wondering what these things mean, today I'm going to tell you from a recruiter perspective what the heck that means. So if you're in a job search and you are getting these messages and you're not sure, is this good news? Is this bad news? What is happening here? Then you give us a call. We'll tell you what it means. 844-942-7866. We're here all hour, Sirius XM 132. And we are going to go to our calls again. Carl in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show. Hey, um, love your show. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in um, academics um, on the administrative side. Uh, I'm an assistant dean right now. And my question is, um, if, if my goal long term is to maybe move up further in the academic ranks from here, would it be wise to get an executive coach? And help me along with that. I've heard of people doing that. I'm just not quite sure 
if that's what normally people do and how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So first off, I'm I'm a fan of executive coaches, especially if you have a specific thing you're looking for help with. So is there something that you've been told, Carl, or a Pacific, specific piece of feedback that you've been given that says, um, in order to move up, we need to see this from you? No, not really. But, you know, there are certain things that I struggle with. For example, um, you know, wanting to know, like, what are my next steps that I should be taking? Um, even down to, uh, am I making the right decisions with some of the decisions I make at work? Because sometimes the decisions, you, you're not quite sure which way to go. It's always nice to have somebody to bounce things off of, um, but also just somebody, you know, you know, training me how to do certain things that I'm going to need if, if I want to go to positions higher up and things like that. I'm just not quite sure where to go. Yeah, really good question, Carl. And let's just face it, in a university setting, it's a little bit different from corporate where it's very political. I'm just going to say it. It's it's In corporate, there's a lot more of create an executive plan, show us how you're going to make money, and we'll probably do it. In, in academia, it's a lot more of who you know, and um, there's just a lot more politics involved. So I very much think it would be to your benefit to get an executive coach who may be able to help you see your blind spots and work on those. So just as a point of reference, an executive coach, career coach, life coach, these individuals will not tell you what to do. At least a good one won't tell you what to do. But what they will do is ask you a series of questions that guide you to the right answers. Because oftentimes they may not know your field, they may not know your specifics, but they do know to ask very in-depth questions that often lead to the information that you need that can show you where you need to close those gaps. So and you also asked, how do I find one? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are a number of places that you can find a great coach. The International Coaching Federation, ICF, is a great organization. You can go onto their website. All of their coaches have been vetted and certified, and um, that would be a great place to start. I love the muse.com, the M-U-S-E.com. They tend to focus more on career coaches, but from what you're saying, Carl, it sounds like both could be could be useful, but that you you know they also have executive coaches as well. And what what is your time frame for looking at getting a promotion? Oh, not 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 right away. I'm I'm thinking maybe five, ten years out at this point. Um, I'm taking it one step at a time. That's a really good plan. Um, taking it one step at a time. And have you had an opportunity in your role or do you or could you to do a 360 feedback where you get feedback from your boss, from your peers, from your customers, from your direct reports? Do you have any kind of tool like that that you could use? I have. And I'll tell you what, it was a humbling experience, but it was one of the most valuable experiences I ever had. Um, And um, I would in fact, we're probably due to do it again. I think last time we did it was about two or three years ago. And right now, I actually want to have some of our. We, we did it with a small group of the leadership in the school, but I think it's something that needs to be done throughout the entire, the whole faculty. It would. Be, it's a value. It's a very valuable tool. Yeah, I no totally doubt. agree. I totally agree. So, so that could be a great jumping off point with your executive coach to start there and look at some of the things that you've gotten feedback on. Because if it was something that's unexpected, that's an especially great place to start because that means that it's a blind spot for you and you didn't realize this was happening. But in terms of logistics, once you start interviewing coaches, and I think you should, I think you should interview a couple. Most of them um, will give you a 15 to 30 minute just general consult because you want to make sure it's somebody you feel comfortable with, someone who has a style that you like. Some people really like direct, harsh feedback. Some people like it to be delivered a little bit more softly. Some people like different types of styles. So I think you need to find somebody who you trust and who has a good style for you. And then obviously the the details around price and uh, timing. Do they need to work in person? Do they Skype? Most do this remotely nowadays. So find out all of those things that work for you and kind of know what's going to work with your timeline, with your budget, and all of those things. That way, when you reach out, you have all of that kind of organized in your head. And then definitely use the 360. I think that's a, a very valuable tool. And then the other thing I'm wondering, because one of the things we know is that if you're looking to move up or advance in your organization, it is super helpful to have what we call a sponsor. And that's usually somebody a couple levels up who 
um, you know, looks at you as somebody who they want to help climb the ladder. So you, maybe you've built a relationship with somebody because you've worked on a special project with them and they see you as a high potential and they're kind of up there where the decisions are happening and can be at the table when you're not advocating for you. So is that something that you you have or you can see developing? Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely a couple people that um, I've developed good relationships with and um, I could probably approach as well. Um, if that's what you're saying, I think. Yeah, and if you're not in a huge rush, what I would do is I would take that 360, I would meet with a coach, I'd come up with a plan, and then I would start building relationships with those individuals, whether it means attending their talks, following their social media, setting up a meeting just to share your goals. But you're going to want to be, in that first meeting especially, very clear because you don't want to waste their time and you want to basically let them know um, what you're looking for and how they can help you because people want to help you, but oftentimes people don't know how to ask for that help or come before they've really figured out their goals. So I think that's going to be a great next step after you pursue the coaching. So the sponsor, um, the 360, the coach, and recognizing the politics of your organization. Who makes the decisions? Who are the influencers? Who do people listen to? Who do people ignore? And sometimes it's not based on level. Sometimes it is just, you know, there's that one person who knows everybody and they, you know, get a lot of um, Input and information. So being being very aware of what's going on so that you know who the key players are, are going to be a big part of your strategy, Carl. Was that helpful? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, please do call us back and let it know how let us know how it goes. We love hearing that on Dr. Dawn on Careers. We wish you all the best in your next steps and are excited to hear what the future holds for you, Carl. 844-942-7866. It is Dr. Dawn on Career, and it is Thursday, which means your personal career coach is here all hour long. 844-942-7866. Let's stay on the phones with Camilla in Texas. Welcome to the show, Camilla. What's on your mind today? Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. So I have a question on how do I get out there? I am a self-published author. I wrote three nonfiction books, adult books, and two children's books. So how do I get those out because right now they're only on Amazon so and let me just show you a couple of things that I've already done and maybe I'm just not reaching the right person because I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall or just don't have the resources to reach out to who I need to reach out to so I've done these agent query letters and just not getting anything um, I put it out to my friends the church and and on, even on my website but I'm just I need some help on yeah. how to get it out there. I feel you. I Trust me, I feel you. First off, let me say congratulations. Five books. That's that's Thank discipline you. right there. Five <laughs> books. Good Thank for you. you. And um, so they're all on Amazon. Are they uh, the Kindles? Are they uh, hard copies? Both. Both. Okay, hard great. Hard copies and Kindles, yeah. And tell me what the general theme is of the book. So uh, it. You said there there's three for adults, so, two for children, but what is like the general audience, for example? So for the adults, it's more self-help and it's more geared toward the women because it deals with um, life, death, um, serious illness in regards to, to cancer, and then offers a lot of hope. So they're very inspirational okay. to get you through that hard time to move. Um, move past it, to offer faith and hope that things will get better. It might be a hard road, but it will get better. My children's books are revolve around bullying because of my daughter who was bullied when she was like three, four years old. So I wrote a book. We actually, it was like a family project. So we talked about it. And because I, I wrote about it in the mama text first, and my daughter kind of illustrated it. So it turned out to the project of let's tell this story to everybody. You know, so it actually, the, the one about bullying, it actually turned into a play that was a doctor at my daughter's school. So I was thinking, okay, at that stage, I was thinking, okay, this is going to get the exposure I wanted to because I want to just, you know, if you have kids, you don't want your kids you know, yeah. to be bullied and you want to just make it known. You want the world to know. Wait a minute. We cannot still have this going on right now. So, and then it just went flat. 
No, trust me. I know. So, so, all right. Tell us the name of your bullying book. We're going to give you a platform right here, National Radio. What is it? So the first one is Sally the Super Ladybug. Sally the Super Ladybug. And what's the second yeah, one? Yeah, by Camelia Vornado and Sydney Vornado. That's my daughter who illustrated. The second That's one. That's fantastic. Is called yes. The second one is called Super Ladybug and Jimmy the Farmer. So it talks about collaboration, working together, even when you have differences. You don't have to make fun of people. You can still work together and be successful. Yep. We need this in this world. I think it's some adults need to read that book, too. So, so I'm telling you, we have to deal with that in corporate, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, so here's the thing. You're right. There, There's so many books. There's something like 100,000 books published, like, I don't know, every right. week. It's, it's, it's So there's a lot of information out there. I mean, and now there's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of blogs. There's a lot of articles. And it's just a lot for people to weed through. So I like what your first strategy – forget the agents. Forget the agents. Um, okay. That I, I get why, why you went that way, but they kind of look for dollar signs. And if they don't feel like this is going to make them money, um, they're never going to work as hard as you. And they're never going to understand your content as well as you. Now, that being said, you have a lot of free – platforms available on social media. The challenge with social media is that, again, a lot of noise out there. So you talked about going to your church. And I think when you look at your three adult self-help books around women's issues, serious illness, cancer, those types of things, I think you need to identify your audience. I know this applies to everybody, but for this first step, you have to really target those audiences that are dealing with this. So I'm thinking Mm -hmm. maybe you could look at hospice, maybe you can look at um, senior care facilities, maybe you can, yeah. And you, I, I mean, think about hospice, and that's an area that I volunteered in, and that's what got me through. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, and I think, um, you know, looking at organizations that support this, they're always looking for speakers. Oftentimes it's for free, but, you know, oftentimes they'll let you sell your book or even they'll buy the book for for people. So I think you need to look for podcasts that are doing this and reach out and see if you can be a guest. Podcasts are always looking for great guests, but you really want to focus on ones that are in your area because – even though I know this applies to a broader audience, I think when you start with the audience that are going to be most interested in it, then you have the opportunity to start growing to beyond that audience. But I think hospitals, I think anywhere that ha- you know that deals with with death and dying, obviously women's uh, issues. I don't know if it relates to things that abuse or all of those things, but whatever those things are, look for organizations that support that. Look for um, you know companies that are in that field and target those because the more targeted you are to the population that it is addressing, the more interest you're going to get because obviously they have that passion too. So that's what I would do. And and it doesn't have to be in your hometown. This could be a national thing. This could be, I mean, most of these organizations have chapters everywhere. Um, you know, so so send them a free book. Say, you know, I'd love to send you a free book and let you know see what you think and follow up with you. The other thing you can do is um, you've spent all this time writing these books, and it does take a lot of time. Start looking for ways to publish excerpts from the book on social media if you can find um, you know connections who who do their own newsletters on these topics and say hey I'm happy to let you post an excerpt of my book um, you know 1500 words maybe and then link it back to your book I mean those things can be so helpful because when somebody's already getting a newsletter on this topic and then they see an article in there that's like wow I, sh- I love that article. It was so helpful. I want more and I want to go get this book. So that could be another great place to build your audience, Camilla. I like that. I like that. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. You've got the discipline. So I have no doubt that once you go and make a list of like all these organizations and you're going to be like, wow, this is a huge list. And once you start kind of chipping away at it, you know, obviously not everybody's going to say yes, but that list is probably big enough that, that you're going to be pretty busy and you're going to get a lot of hits on those books, which sound like they're they're so important, especially in today's world, Camilla. So thank you for writing them. Um, thank you for calling the show and sharing them with us. We love that and wish you all the best. We, we definitely want these books to get out there. So definitely if you missed it, 
rewind for a few minutes and get back to uh, Camille's books because we all need those. 844-942-7866. You are listening to Dr. John on Careers all hour long on Sirius XM 132. Guess what? Thursday, your personal career coach is in. So give me a call. 844-942-7866. Struggling with any job search issue, we always want to take your call. There's a lot of great advice out there. Speaking of which, Dr. Dawn on Careers is my website, and I put all of my content on there. So if you're looking for something, you can go there. But if you have a question on an article or maybe you disagree with something I said, please call in. We want to have that discussion. We want to help as many people as we can because let's face it, the job search sucks. The career market, even though it's it's in better days now, it's, it's just hard. 844-942-7866. So we're talking about how to demystify what people say. Um, so Dion, what do you think it means when someone says, we have a few more people to interview and we'll get back to you next week in an interview? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think that means? It depends because mm-hmm. sometimes like it it's that's actually the truth and other times you're not getting the job. Um in doing interviews I've kind of said that and it's meant both. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a tone that you say depending on what it means? Nope. No. Nope. Oh, you've got the poker face. You got you, you got to have the poker face. Yeah. I agree. I think that can mean anything. So here's the deal. If you if somebody says that to you, we have a few more people to interview and we'll get back to you next week. My follow up would be just to clarify. Great. I'm really excited about this role. If I don't hear from you by next Friday, I'll send you an email. This way they know that you're going to follow up. You've somewhat gotten permission to follow up. And if after you follow up, you don't hear anything, you know that Dion said that to you and didn't mean it. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Why, why is this, this going to be me? What? You answered it. You, you asked me. I know that. But, you know not to ask me questions. But, but you, you made it personal. You said you use this line. That's why you don't ask me questions. All right. I won't ask you then. I won't ask you what it means. Have you ever said to anybody, we'll keep your resume on file for the next six months? No, I've never said that. Because you don't, right? No. <laughs> yeah, no No one's looking at your... If somebody says that to you, that is that may be true. They probably do keep it in some database for the next six months, but... But what they're not saying and what they're not doing is actually going back and looking at that resume anytime soon. So if it's a huge company and you got far in the interview process, there may be other roles for you in that company. So so don't sit back and say, well, I got my resume. They'll call me if there's something. If you find another role in the company that is a match for you, then you probably should apply and not assume that they're they're doing that that search what about the you're overqualified, Dion? Have you ever said that to anybody? <laughs> no. That was an evil laugh. <laughs> I'm turning my mic off now. All right. Hey, have you heard the term you're overqualified you, from somebody because you didn't get the job? What what did it mean in your situation? If you want to know, we'll talk about it when we come back on Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. But... We're going to go to our pre-break quiz, so I'll have to have Dion turn his mic back after the break. But here's our pre-break quiz in the meantime. Quiz. There's a quiz? Uh, Camilla's call is timely because it has to do with my pre-break quiz. What was the first book sold on Amazon? What was the first book sold on Amazon? Dion, I know this is a tough one, but there's a bonus question. <laughs> what did Amazon do to commemorate the person who purchased the first book? And that's kind of interesting, too. If you think you know, 844-942-7866, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are here all hour long taking your calls. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Sirius XM 132, Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Then we are here taking your calls right now, 844-942-7866. So give us a call if you have a question on your job search, career, or anything in between, because we are here for you every Thursday, 844-942-7866. So... 
Have you ever wondered what's really going on behind the scenes or in the mind of the hiring manager when they say things like, we'll call you, or you're overqualified, or uh, we'll keep your resume on file and let you know if we come up with anything. So these are pretty common terms, and they often are very vague, and it's very difficult to decipher what they mean. So on today's show, we're talking a little bit about what they might mean and how you can gain more clues to figuring that out. But of course, it's always open calls on Thursday at 844-942-7866. So we said, you're overqualified. This is an interesting one because this is the PC way of saying uh, you're overqualified. (laughs) And that could mean a number of things. That There's age bias going on, not always, but it could mean that. It could mean that they feel like you may leave the company sooner than they would like or that you may be interested in a promotion sooner than they want to give you one. It could mean that they're worried you're going to get bored. But here's the deal. Hiring managers are more often than not looking for people who can do the job, be excited about it, and are going to be in the role for a little while and produce results. So if they feel that you're just trying to get into the company, maybe it's a brand name company and that you're using a role that perhaps you're slightly more qualified for or is slightly less um, at the level that you're currently at, they're going to be wary of that. Or if they're thinking, so I worked in a consulting firm and often we'd have people who wanted to be consultants, but they didn't have the the right background that we were looking for. So they would try and come in in different positions, which is fine. But it was really obvious during the interview that their hope was that within a year or so they would be in a consulting position, which we knew wouldn't happen. So in in um all fairness to the candidate, we didn't want to bring them in and, and have that not happen because then they'd be upset and leave anyway. So so think about what your overqualified means. Now, what if you are a person who wants to get a job that is a step back? Maybe you're a parent and you want to spend more time with your family. Maybe you um, you know have an illness or, or you're taking care of a parent who's ill and you want to step back so you're looking for something you know there are a lot of reasons why people want to maybe step back from a management role into an individual contributor role if this is the case then I think it's totally possible but you need to make a clear case to the the hiring manager and let them know what's going on and I think one of the best ways to do that is to be honest and say look you know my um my last job, I was traveling 80% of the time. And while I love what I do, and I'm great at this, here's what I'm looking for. And you're not saying that you're not going to be there, um, you know, all hands in. But what you are saying is this is the reason why I'm looking for something different. Because what they want to make sure is that you're not a flight risk. That's what they want to make sure. Or you're not going to come in and be unhappy or try and get promoted two days after you get there. So think about what the hiring manager is hearing and what you're saying. 844 Nine four two seven eight six six. You are listening to Dr. Dawn on Career Sirius XM one thirty two. If it's Thursday, we are live all hour long. So, Dion, let's answer our pre-break quiz. What was the first book sold on Amazon? Now I know you're not going to get this because nope. Yeah, because <laughs> I I don't think this is a book you have. Oh, okay, then it's not the dictionary. That's what I was thinking. No, no. Okay. Um, but let me ask you this, because okay. this probably is one you could guess at. What did Amazon do to commemorate the person who purchased the first book? They did something I, big. I feel like it's got something to do with the type of book it no, is. No, it wasn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. They gave them free Amazon pins. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than that. Like, it's huge. It's something huge. They gave them stock in Amazon. <laughs> no, that would be huge. Too big? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So let me tell you, uh, because Michelle, do you know? I know I've heard this before, but I cannot remember what it is. Yeah. But I know I've heard it before. Yeah, it's kind of big. Um, all right. So the the first book sold on Amazon was Fluid Concepts and Creative Analogies, Computer Models of the Fundamental Mechanisms of Thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I got, said... I, I, look, I wouldn't have got that if I knew what the answer was. I know, I know, I know. That's not what I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I thought the second part of the question was more interesting. So John John Wainwright ordered this book, and he was one of the early uh, 
uh, people working with the joint ventures between Apple and IBM, and he was given a beta test of Amazon. And this is the book that he bought. But So he was the first customer. And to thank him for his business, they actually named a building on their campus after him. So there's the Wainwright Building on Amazon campus. That's pretty big. What's, what's in the Wainwright Building? I don't know. You know I have follow-up I know questions. you do, but like the fact that they name a building after this guy is kind of cool. I mean, I guess so. So I also researched the most reviewed books of all time on Amazon, and I bet you could guess some of these for sure. The dictionary. No. Who's look, reading look, the dictionary? Di- dictionary is, is, is like fern. It's got to be right at some it's, point. It, it's not right today. Oh. I'm sure it's bought a lot. but Actually, no, it's not bought anymore. <laughs> Who buys a dictionary anymore? Who has a dictionary? Well, I have one, but I, I bought it probably 15 years ago. Yeah, it's right next to that hole puncher yeah. that you have. Um, <laughs> it's also obsolete. Dion, Dion's uh, Museum of Outdated Business Tools. Right. They, they, they still get used. Okay. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> so most reviewed books, Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Gone Girl, God Help Us, Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, there, there's there's not a something for for dummies that's that's up no, there really n- not in the top top. Oh. Uh, obviously, J.R.R. Tolkien's books, Lord of the Rings, Hobbits. So never read it. Yeah, nothing that uh, would probably surprise you. But anyway, if you were the first customer on Amazon, you got a building built after you. But actually, Dion, I like your your idea better. I'd rather that, have gotten stock. Makes <laughs> that sense to me. Been better. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to Doctor Dawn on Careers. We're talking about how to demystify what people are saying in the interview or what the hiring manager is saying. And one of the places where I think people forget they could get a lot of leverage is in the negotiating process. And so when my students call me to ask how they should proceed with the negotiations, and I always tell them never accept a job on the spot so they know that, there's a number of things you can be watching for and observing for during your interviewing process that will give you leverage in the negotiating process. So here's a couple of things. First off, are you backfilling a candidate who's already left? Um, Has a department just lost a couple of people? Did they just win a new contract and have a dire client need? Is it busy season? Are, Are you an accountant getting hired right now? Because it'll be very busy. So So what I'm getting at here is urgency. How urgent is the need? That can be very helpful when you're looking to negotiate because if it's an urgent need, you may feel like you have a little bit more leverage. Um, The other thing you can think about is do they have a strong number two candidate? Now you might be thinking, how would I know this? Well, a lot of times it'll come up. It'll come up just in talking to the team, talking to the manager, you know, that that we've – you know, we've been interviewing, we've got a lot of strong candidates for this, but, you know, we selected you. Or it might be that, you know, your hands down are top candidate. Not everybody has the poker face that Dion has. So if you watch, managers will give a lot away. And I'll tell you some of the things I did if I liked you as a candidate. For example, if I liked you, I when I interviewed in a room, I'd always have a whiteboard. And if I really thought you were a top contender. I would use the whiteboard to kind of draw things out. Maybe it was org charts. Maybe it's how our process goes. But I would invest that time because I wanted you to understand what our business was about and what our team needed and how we work together so that you can make a good decision as well. If I didn't really think this was going to work. I I probably would just talk about it briefly. Also, the interview would likely go longer if I liked you. I'd be more interested in certain things. And I would ask questions like, when are you available? How much notice would you need to give? I would ask things like, um, you know, are you interviewing at other places, which you may get get asked too. Now, you don't have to answer that question, but what I was trying to get at is, are you on the verge of accepting an offer somewhere else? Because if I really liked you, I wanted to know these things so that I could, you know, maybe push the process forward or maybe, or I might say, you know, hey, do you have a minute? Let's do a quick tour around the office. Let me introduce you to some of the members of the team, if I really like you. Uh, you know, and so these things weren't planned, but if you if you see these things happening, chances are they're investing a little bit more time in you, and that's a good thing. Now, does it 100% mean anything? Maybe not. 
But I think when you when you add all of these little clues up, you can start to get a really good sense of how strong of a candidate you are. You know, something else, and this might be a little shady, but if I if I if I didn't really think this was gonna work out when we parted, I would just say I don't have a business card. Now anyone who knows me knows there's never a time in my life that I don't have a business card. So um you know, I'd say, oh, I, I don't have one, but, you know, you can call the person who's scheduled and they could pass along your question. I, Dean's laughing at me. Like, I, I'm trying to share my secrets with people to it's help them. It's funny because it's like, I don't care if you're available. Uh, don't contact me. I don't have a card. I didn't say don't contact me. I was always very polite. I gave everybody, you know, validated their parking. and didn't. If I didn't like you, it wasn't like I said, no, you, you have to you pay for your parking. parking. I didn't do that. I validated their parking. I respected the fact that they came in. So it's just that, you know, I, I, it would be easier to go through a recruiter if I didn't think I'd be calling them back. I'm not I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to tell you what goes on the other side of, of the room. You're efficient. I, <laughs> I'm trying to be efficient. We interviewed a lot of people. Um, so those are some of the things that, that would happen. I tend to have a poker face when I interview, so I won't give too much away. You won't know if I'm, you know, but some recruiters don't. Some recruiters are very much like, wow, yeah, that's great. Oh, and, and they start to share some of their own stories about oh that happened to me so anytime you see those commonalities happen that's a really good sign that they like you now be aware be aware I'm going to tell you another secret uh, recruiters want you to feel comfortable recruiters and hiring managers I'm using that term kind of broadly because they want you to share things with them so be careful about sharing too much and feeling too comfortable because you are still being evaluated every step of the way. So if you get too comfortable and start talking about that last trip to Vegas, they're going to write that down and it's probably going to be held against you. So so yeah, but if they are extending the conversation, if they are uh, you know, getting on to, like personal topics, not illegal, but personal, like you're starting to share topics about your dog or you, you know, you both like certain things, that could be a really good sign as well. Um, so these can all be helpful when you get to the negotiating stage because it gives you some hints into um, where you stand in the process. You know, also, um, aside from the urgency piece and aside from, you know, do they like you, you know, do they tend to hire or promote from within? Do they bring people out from the outside? Is this a new position? If it's a newly created position versus a, a position that's open, um, that can make a difference, too, because the cool thing about a newly created position is that you can probably inspire and shape some of how it is it is comes to be. The bad thing about a newly created position is it often takes longer to fill because on the inside they're going back and forth about what they want this person to do and who's the right person and who should they report to. So it may feel like they're being really wishy-washy, um, but that's kind of just the nature of a new position. So I'd always ask that. I would always ask the question when I'm interviewing, is this a new position? Is this, you know, is the person still there? You know, what happened to the person? I mean, did the person get promoted? Now, again, not you're not always going to get these, but I think the these are very um, regular questions to ask because you want to know what you're getting into. Now, of course, if you hear things like, well, yeah, this position's been open for a year or we've had three people in this position for the last year or this position has had six bosses, you want to listen to that too because then there might be something wrong with this position or there might be something that you're not seeing. So all of these things can help you in the negotiating process because you may feel more confident if you get these cues along the way and you realize, wow, it's busy season. They've they've chosen me. They've um, given me extra tours. They've they've you know been very responsive to me during this process. And you may feel more confident to negotiate. Either way, you should negotiate. But when you have some of these cues and you're paying attention, you can build your confidence and get more money in your pocket, which is what we want for all of our listeners here on Dr. Dawn on Careers. 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are here for you as your personal career coach. Give us a call. 
all hour long on Sirius XM 132. And hey, just in case you missed it, our very first show of the year had futurist Josh Burson, who shared his predictions for the world of work and careers in 2020. We talked about untethering of the relationship between the employer and employee, the emergence of the pixelated career, what you need to succeed in the hybrid roles, which are becoming more and more popular, and which jobs will be more resistant to automation. So if you missed it, don't worry. You can find this show along with over 200 more episodes on iTunes and Google Play under Dr. Dawn on Careers. And if you subscribe, you'll never miss another episode. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. We're here all hour for you as your personal career coach. So what are some of the other things that might happen that you can decipher as you're going along in the job interview? Well, one of the most popular ones is being ghosted. Dion, have you ever been ghosted? Of course. In a job search. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think so. In a job search, probably. Like, before the interview... Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. Before the interview, it's not. I guess yeah, technically a- after ghosting. the interview. Prob. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've gone on interviews and just never heard anything back. Yeah. yeah and, and this yeah, happens a lot. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, one of the biggest reasons used, and this is a true reason, but um, I, I still think it's rude to do this, is because they say, oh, legally, we don't want to give too much away, um, and you know, we don't want to get sued, so we just kind of move on. But I think that's that's kind of crap. I think if you spend the time interviewing someone, they come into your office or they do a Skype interview, whatever it is, you should, as a hiring manager, recruiter, headhunter, whatever, have the courtesy to pick up the phone and give them a call. Now, you're right. They probably won't tell you why you weren't selected because there's too many legal challenges with that. They might just say there was a, a candidate who is a better match. And that's the safest thing. So that's kind of sucks for a candidate because you don't know, was it me? Was it was it something I said? Was it something I did? But I'll tell you, a lot of times it's not. A lot of times, and I hate saying this, but it's so true, there's an internal candidate waiting in the wings and they have to go through the interview process. So they do it when that interview internal candidate has the job from the start. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who've experienced that or who've witnessed it within their own organizations and have had to interview people who they knew weren't going to get the job. So if you have a story, give me a call 844-942-7866 because I have seen candidates flown across the country to interview for a job when they already had an internal candidate. Now, now here's the thing, though. If this is happening, not all hope is lost because what I've also seen is they had an internal candidate, but if it's a huge company and they're interviewing you, chances are if they like you, there might be another similar role in the organization where you can go or they might pass your name along to another manager who's hiring at a different point. So it's still worth it to go in there and do your best, make uh, build relationships, make yourself a case for why you're a good hire. And you never know. Those things absolutely do happen. But if you get ghosted, it could be that they have a hiring freeze. And that happens more than you would think, too. Sometimes at the end of the quarter, like, wait, we need to hold off till we see what our results are. Sometimes they decide they don't need someone. They realize that the role has been covered or absorbed in other ways and they just don't need to hire. Sometimes after they interview people, they realize, hmm, we should change this job description and add a couple of things and take out a couple of things. So you'll actually see the job posted Again, with some differences. And you're like, wait, is that the same job? It kind of looks like the same job. There's so many things that happen. And I will be the first to say, as somebody who worked in recruiting, the hiring process is broken. But if you do a little detective work and you understand what's going on behind the scenes, then you start to be able to build a competitive strategy for yourself where you recognize, okay, there's some things that in this game I hate, but I'm going to have to play it. And there's other things that I'm just going to steer clear of. So 844-942-7866, we're taking your calls all hour. And demystifying that process, getting into the mind of the hire, is exactly what my new LinkedIn learning course is about. It's my second course. It is uh, about 45 minutes long, lots of little individual segments. But 
definitely check it out on LinkedIn Learning because I get into all of these things to demystify what's going on on the other side, how bias impacts the job search, how emotions impact the job search on both sides, how decisions are made, all the unfair things that are going on. But even more important than that, how you can build a strategy as a job seeker to get around all that and be competitive and land the job. 844-942-7866. So a couple of other things that you can be watching for. What happens if somebody asks you an illegal question? So this happens a lot. Illegal questions might come across as, so do you have a family or what country you're from? Or have you been arrested? You know, general dating questions. Um, But here's the deal. Oftentimes, a hiring manager isn't trained to do their job. And and I don't mean that in a bad way, but the fact is hiring managers have a day job and it's probably not interviewing people. So maybe they hire a couple of times a year and they're asking these questions, not because they're trying to find out illegal information, but because they just don't realize that they're illegal. So you have two options. You could say, well, that's illegal and damage the relationship. And guess what? You're never going to get a call back from that organization, even if you're a great candidate. Or you can give them the benefit of the doubt and say, um, you know, I'm not sure specifically what you're getting at. Can you can you rephrase the question? More often than not, most hiring managers will say, oh, God, oops, I, uh, and change the subject. Um, you know, so think about this. Think about what is going on. And again, if you're feeling, oh, all hiring managers are trained and they know exactly what they're doing, they're not, and they don't. So lots and lots of things to be paying attention to in the job search that can get you more information for how to shift your strategy as you're going. It could give you more information for how to put together a strong negotiating um, strategy for yourself if you get the offer. And it can really help you see kind of what's going on. So as we wrap up here, of course, I want to do a quick speed round because that's one of my favorite things. Here are some red flags to watch out so you don't take a job you'll regret. So first off, is there high turnover in the role? Has it been vacant for a long time? Um, And what are the reasons for that? And are they willing to talk about that? Are you forced to make a quick decision or is there a really short hiring process like one phone call and they want you to they they make you an offer really quickly and they need a decision really quickly. Um, An undefined reporting structure. This can be really uh, challenging if you come on. They're not sure who you report to. You report to, to multiple people. Very, very sloppy hiring processes. Again, it could be reflective of what it's like to work in that organization, or it could just be sloppy hiring processes. Um, Discrepancies in the job description, or it keeps changing, or they keep adding things. Uh, They're not very organized around that. Here's the deal. Not one of these is going to say, ah, run, don't take the job. But when you put them together and you start seeing these red flags, trust your gut. Even though I know the job search sucks and you want to get out of it as quickly as possible and accept a job, what you don't want is to to ignore these red flags and find yourself back in the job search again a few months later or flat out miserable. So there we go. Dr. Dawn on Careers. The hour goes by so quickly, but we love being here with our callers and listeners every week as your personal career coach. You can follow me on Twitter for more information at Dr. Dawn Graham. Definitely check out my new LinkedIn course, Getting in the Mind of the Hiring Manager, Michelle and Dion. It was great to be back as the dream team for this week. And of course, SiriusXM 132 Dr. Dawn on Careers is here every Thursday as your personal career coach. So we will see you next time. from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.